So we're in this series about, uh, about what we do as Hydrant, the, the vitals and essentials to Christian faith and to who we are as followers of Jesus at Hydrant and in Hydrant as a Hydrant. And, and we began this series last week by talking about worship and this invitation to engage with God together in worship that begins in this place, much like the image of Ezekiel, and then flows bringing life to everywhere. That really, worship is, it begins here, but includes every little thing we do in life. And it's the beginning of our story. It's the beginning of the place where we connect with him. And it's where it all culminates as we, as we receive those blessings and we live into the work and the calling that he's put on us. And then we give it back to him in celebration as an act of gratitude. And so it's this cyclical thing that we always are called to be a part of, always called to be giving him ourselves, always called to be laying down, always called to be taking steps of overflow and worship. I challenge many of you who are here to like take a chance and, and raise your hand, maybe like halfway up for the first time, to take a chance and actually sing out instead of staring blankly like some of you are doing right now. Um, no, <laughs> so instead of just just being, but to begin to let ourselves participate in worship, and that really things begin to change in us when we participate in worship. And can I tell you, the time you need it most is when you least feel like it. That's when it has the most work in us. When things are the darkest, when things are the hardest, when you feel the furthest away, we praise our way through it. We worship our way through it. And this is really where things begin for us is in worship. It's where we kind of invite people into this first connection with Jesus. It's really what I, I kind of think of sometimes as the crowd. So we saw Jesus do this really kind of crazy thing. He would draw a crowd. If you look into scripture, he could draw huge crowds. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people would get drawn into a crowd. They would, they would go around, they walked all the way around a lake when he cut across it on a boat. Walked all the way around it and surrounded him with no plans for dinner that night. Thousands. They, like, I get surprised the front rows are full today and I, I'm digging it. I love it. I know you're like, I'm a little nervous. What's going to happen? Promise, nothing weird. But I always love that. Jesus, one time the crowd got so thick and they were pushing up on it so far as he was on the edge of the lake. He like took it one too many steps back. His feet got all wet that he finally just climbed up on a boat and sat on the boat and, and taught from the boat while everyone was along the edge of the lake shore. Jesus was exceptional at drawing a crowd. He would entertain them. He would feed them. He would, he would draw that crowd. But it wasn't just for the sake of the crowds. I mean, he loved the crowd. He loved the crowd. In fact, there was, as he came to the end of his life, he looked out over Jerusalem and he saw the crowds. He said, man, how I long to draw them close, the way a, a hen draws her chicks under her wings. Oh, I just, I wish I could draw them closer. And every time he drew a crowd, you'd see this moment. And it was this moment where he invited the crowd To become disciples. He would invite them to follow him. Invite them to go deeper. Invite them to surrender. Sometimes he would do it with like these crazy things. 
He made the most people mad and ran the most people off this day where he said, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. They're like, what? I don't think so. I'm leaving. I am out. And his disciples, the closest to him, even they had to come like, okay, Jesus, tell us what you mean with this whole, you know, zombie thing. Like, tell us what you mean. And he explains to them. But then there's, there are times where, where he, is, he, is invited, he repulses the crowd. He just, it's like, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to leave everything behind and just trust me. And really, when he died, there were 120 disciples who went into the upper room. So he, could, he drew crowds of thousands, but really, the next group was a much smaller group. And then he would have his core, and they, they were the 12. They were the ones who partnered with him in ministry, who believed in it so much they gave their life, they gave their money, they gave their stories, they gave everything they had to it. And they were, they were the, the 12, and we call them partners here. And Sunday morning, our worship is where this crowd happens. And every Sunday, whether you realize it or not, you're being invited to take another step. Taking another step in. Take another step in worship. Take another step of trust. Just keep taking a step toward Jesus. And when you're ready, we invite you to take this next step into discipleship. To become a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is someone who intentionally gives themselves to following Jesus letting Jesus change their lives, and investing themselves in the mission of the kingdom of God. Connect, fill, overflow. Right? It's the people who give themselves to that, who are intentional about that, who take that next step. And so for us as Hydrant Church, we realize that at the core of our mission is not the crowd. It's, like, it's not about what happens here. At the core of our mission is making disciples. At the core of what we are made to do as a church and what the church is made to do is to make disciples. We come together to help one another follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and overflow into others to serve others as a part of the mission of God. It's what Hydrant Loves Goldsboro is all about. It's what life groups are all about. It's what worship is all about. It's about what our kids' ministry is all about. It's what our student ministry is all about. It is what everything is all about. It's us connecting, being transformed, and overflowing toward others with this love of Jesus that makes disciples. We're called to more than just believe in Jesus. We're called to more than just, Jesus, forgive my sins, and I'm going to go do it some more next week and come back again. And it doesn't actually change us. We're called to more than feeling good about knowing him. We're called to this life of discipleship, this life of being transformed as someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and surrendering ourselves to his mission wherever we go. Because we realize here at Hydrant that not everyone will be a part of Hydrant for the rest of their lives. There's military and there's job change and all kinds of things that change. And we realize that if we're going to help anyone, it's when they actually become a disciple. And they can leave this place and continue to be a disciple. Continue to help others to follow him and be helped in that. 
That this is something that we need together. Jesus loved the crowds, but he always wanted more for them. Jesus loves us as we gather to worship, as we begin to find our way into a connection with him. And there's never a rush from Jesus. right? There's never this obligation or this pressure from Jesus. It's always this invitation to go deeper. This invitation to walk closer. This invitation to trust more. He loves us and he wants more for us. In fact, when he left... As he prepared to leave this world, he gathered up his closest followers. He gathered up the disciples that he had. And he says, listen, I've got a job for you. And we find it in Matthew chapter 28. You feel free to turn there if you'd like. Use your phones, whatever you have. Matthew 28, 18 to 10 reads this way. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is why we surrender to him. This is why we follow him. He has all the authority. So therefore, I send you, go and make disciples. Which means go wherever you go. In all of your going and coming, be making disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach These disciples to obey everything I've taught you, every command I've given you. And be sure of this, as you go and as you make disciples, as you go and as you make disciples, I will be with you all the way to the very edge of the earth. You don't do this mission alone. I will always give you what you need. It's one of our core beliefs here. We have everything we need to do, everything he's asking us to do. If we don't have what we need, he's not asking us to do it. Either that or he's hidden what we need in your pockets and he's been telling you to give it, but you haven't been doing it yet. That's the other side of that belief. I mean, it goes for my pockets too. Sorry, that was a little side deep thing. Like, I will just come back. (laughs) Another surrender. When you surrender your your wallet, things change. if, If God doesn't own your cash, he doesn't own you. If he doesn't have authority over your wallet, he doesn't have authority over your soul or your mind or your heart or your life. And part of being a disciple is surrendering everything. Another sermon, another day. The early church, they took this mission seriously. I mean, it was every Christian saw themselves as a missionary in their families and in their workplaces, in their community. Everyone, a disciple who was a part of making disciples. We see how they did this in the book of Acts, right at the very beginning. From the beginning, it's who they were. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47, if you were with me in Matthew, you just turn over, you will see Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, right at the beginning, Acts chapter 2. Beginning at verse 42, it says this, all the believers, like if you're a believer, this is what it looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the apostles who were teaching them what Jesus taught. And to fellowship. If you've been around, you know I hate that word. We have a clue. We're like, oh, we're going to eat together. That's fellowship. That's not fellowship. Partnering in mission is fellowship. Joining with other believers across our community to do the work of the kingdom. That's fellowship. It's a mission. It's active. It's doing. It's not a meal together. I don't know. You can't have a fellowship hall. 
a place where you go and fellowship. Part, it, it's active. It's out there. So they joined in the mission, and they shared meals and a prayer. This awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers, they met together in one place, and they shared what they had. They sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They, they worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, for every meal. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, they were praising God. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people or favor of their neighbors. Their neighbors liked them. Catch that. People who were not Christians liked the Christians. Something's messed up in our world, right? And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day added to the mission more, more and more. The disciples, they grew As they came together, they grew in their faith, they grew in their unity, they grew in their favor with the community, and they grew in their numbers. They grew in their faith. They came closer to Jesus. They learned more of what he had to say, and they obeyed it. They did what Jesus asked them to do, and they began to grow in their faith before anything else changed. And then they grew in unity. They came together as one people on one mission in one fellowship to do the work that God asked them to do. And God, as they did that, as they came together, God gave them favor. He, they had the goodwill of all their neighbors. People were asking, like, hey, we hear you care about people. Will you help us feed these students? In their case, it was widows and orphans. Will you, will, you, will you take care of the people around you? Will you help us? They had the goodwill. They were, they were known as those who loved and cared for strangers. Those who met the needs of each other and others around them. They were known for their love. And that led to them growing in numbers. And eventually spreading out all over the known world at the time. Here's how they did it. It was nothing all that complicated. We asked this question in our life group this week. Like, when were the times that you felt the greatest love? Because often we feel the the thing that gets in the way of us loving someone else, loving our neighbors, loving a stranger, is that we're too scared. We feel incapable or not enough. Like, we don't have enough knowledge or skill to be able to do that. And so we asked the question, when have you felt most loved? I don't know, when someone sat with me and listened and then checked back on what they'd heard from me. They actually heard me. When, when someone just showed up when I needed it most. When, when someone ate with me, had a cup of coffee with me. When someone believed in me before I believed in myself. Those are all things anybody can do. My children can do them. Our children can do them. So it's not beyond. It's not too hard. What they did was not all that crazy. They ate together. They like planned it, and they ate it. You get involved with Jesus, your food budget goes up. I'm just telling you, like you, you're just going to be eating with people. And, and maybe you got to hunt more to, to put more on the table or fish more to put more on the table. You find what works for you. But we eat together. We eat together. That's what they did. That's not that hard. Something changes when you eat with someone. You sit across the table. When we were interviewing Brendan, we brought him for days. 
right? And we ate together a lot. A lot. It took me like two weeks to lose the weight I put on in three days eating with Brendan. But it was those connections that have to happen and form that transform us. It's there across the table that strangers become friends and friends become family. Then they learned the teachings of Jesus together. They learned the teachings of Jesus. They're as counterintuitive, as opposite and countercultural as they are. They wanted to follow what Jesus had to say. It's really interesting to me. They don't, it's not like they, they didn't go study the old scriptures. They didn't say the old. They went to Jesus. Like, Jesus is our authority. We start here. Everything filtered through Jesus. We, we look at the Old Testament the way Jesus did. We look at people the way Jesus did. We look at everything the way Jesus did. See, the church gets into trouble when we try to mix Jesus and some other stuff together. And we come up with all these rules. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, love people the way I did, and I'll take care of the rest. I'll show you how to do that more and more and more. I heard somebody put it this way. I <laughs> love it. I heard somebody put it this way this week. I was, I'm, I'm, I was studying for a class and listening to this lecture, and he said, the sign of the Spirit in someone is the way they love the marginalized, the weak, the forgotten, the written off. That's Jesus. If you're not doing that, Jesus ain't in you. James put it this way. No one can say I love Jesus and hate my brother. The sign of God at work in us is the way we love people. And they loved each other. Lived by Jesus' teaching. They prayed together. They carried each other's burdens financially and otherwise. When someone was hurting, they all hurt. When someone was going through something, they were all going through it. When there was a need, they came together and solved it. It said they sold what they had. But I'm thinking of what we're really seeing is the teaching that, that, um, that John the Baptist said. When he said, listen, if you have two coats, get rid of one and give it to the person who doesn't have any. They, they took the extra and they sold it to be able to meet the needs around them. It wasn't about what we could accumulate, but how we could come together. Celebrated each other's victory and they loved their neighbors. We believe at Hydrant that this call of Jesus and example of the early church is for us. It's for us. It's who we are meant to be. So discipleship is not like a six-week class you go through and you learn how to be a disciple and now you got it. It's not a series of classes you go through over a year and now you check, 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 now I'm a disciple. It's not an annual sermon series. It's not one message It is this simple, holistic, relational gathering of people helping one another to follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and love others as the kingdom of God instructs. And it's everything, right? Like it's simple. It's simple. It's three questions. Three questions. What is God asking you to do? Not like, what do I think you should do? Not what is that book you read last week think you should do? Like, what is Jesus? What is God? What is the Spirit asking you to do? 
And do you have the courage to do it? And how can I help you? Right? It's that simple. I've watched our teenagers sit out on those picnic tables as they have free time before things really get going on a Sunday night. And I've watched them ask each other these questions. What is God asking you to do? Well, I think I know. Well, why aren't you doing it? Are you scared? Do you have the courage? I mean, they get a little bit direct. Like, what, are you scared? Like, well, yeah. Well, how can I help you get over that fear? And they help each other. That is discipleship right there. Every day, all day, all of our lives. What is God asking us to do? Do we have the courage to do it? And how can I help? Every disciple making disciples. It's just that simple. It's it's something we can do around the dinner table. Something we can do over coffee. Something we can do by text. Like every every day we can be asking each other, helping one another. It's It's a way of guiding our marriages, the way of our parenting, the way we spend money. Like all of it. We're try, we were trying to figure out truck stuff this week, and he's like, well, what is God asking you to do? Did you pray about it yet? Like, seriously, like, it's just these, this is the way we can begin to help one. It's just so simple. Anyone can do it. And if you keep doing whatever God's asking you to do, you'll get closer to Jesus. Your life will be changed by Jesus, and you'll do the work of the kingdom of God. Then it's holistic. Like, holistic means everything, like all of it, the whole thing. Everything that Hydrant does is designed to make us disciples, right? You can't get in this room until five minutes before service because we know that we don't grow as disciples all by ourselves. We need to talk to one another. And I know for some of you introverts, it's killer. You're like, I'll just wait and come in like two minutes late. That's fine. We're glad. That's fine. We'll get you on the way out. <laughs> Those cookies create a stop, right? You can't get by. You got to talk to somebody, <laughs> I mean, you can put on the face that lets everybody know, don't talk to me, and we'll leave you alone. But we realize we don't do this together. Everything is designed, right? So the coffee, we could set the coffee on a counter and you make yourself coffee and you go on with your day. But we realize when someone hands you a cup of coffee and you talk and you begin to meet someone, you connect, it has an effect on our souls. It's all about it. It's our kids. There are people down on the floor right now with our babies building relationships and letting them know that this is a safe place where you are loved and believed in and God is here. And our children are learning to be disciples. Our teenagers gather and they, they ask in the midst of their crazy lives and anxiety and struggles and dating, what is God asking me to do? And we empower them to follow in that and to help one another. It's everything. All of the ways we serve. Hydrant loves Goldsboro. That's discipleship, right? That is us living out the kingdom of God for the world to see. We are known for our love. It's what it comes down to. We believe that it's holistic. We believe that it's relational. Jesus made disciples in relationship. I can stand up here and inspire you, but I won't have a real impact on you until we sit down across from the table. Right? I'm not going to have a real impact until you sit in my living room or, 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 or none of our life groups, none of the groups are going to have any impact on you until we sit close. We talk about something that's real. I mean, I can inspire and encourage and, and, and help you to see the decisions you need to make, but I can't help you make them from here. And you can't help me from here. But when we sit around the table... We sit in the living room, 
We sit on the boat deck. We sit wherever. Those conversations that lead to transformation really happen. Because we need that relationship. Right? That's why we need the church. That's why we need each other. It's where really the discipleship and the change begins to happen. So we created life groups as the heartbeat of Hydrant. And it may be life groups now, but it may mean that down the road, discipleship looks different, but discipleship will be the heartbeat of Hydrant. Right now, those are life groups. Small groups of people who gather together to pray, to eat, eat. Every time they get together, they eat lots of food. We eat together, we pray together, we learn from Jesus together, we carry each other's burdens, we celebrate each other's victories, we serve together. I, I messaged my life group this morning at 6.30 a.m. They better be up. They got to come to church. If not, it's time to get up and have coffee anyway. It's like, hey, Laundry of Love's coming up the 18th. I think our group should be a part of serving at this. Right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a piece of... Who we are. If you are a follower of Jesus who take your relationship with Jesus seriously, you should be in a group of some sort with other believers who help you follow Jesus and that you help follow Jesus. And I know there are times this season where maybe that group is your family, or maybe it's a group at work or something else, but you need a group. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You know what I hear all the time? Yeah, I got off track. It's like, really? Did you, are, you, are you in life group? Are, are you coming to worship regularly? Are you serving somewhere? No, I took my name off the list to serve. I haven't been to life group in like six months, and really worship's been like once a month. Well, why do you think you're having a problem? I don't know. It's like, let me just hold up this mirror and let you see. And that's it. What is God asking you to do? Well, he asked me to worship. He asked all of us to worship. He asked all of us to be disciples. He asked all of us to serve. Can't really argue those three. I mean, exactly how that looks may look different at times, but that's where we begin in doing what he asked us to do. If you're ready for a deeper walk, maybe you've been in the crowd, you've been here and you've been connecting or, or you've always just kind of held Jesus at a little bit of a distance, but you're ready for more. You're ready to see God do something in your life. Jump into a life group. Make a decision that I am going to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to learn his ways and I'm going to commit myself to serving in that mission however I can. Make a decision. If you're, if you're like, okay, this Jesus guy, he makes me curious. I want to know more. Hang out with a bunch of his followers who are really trying to be disciples, and you'll figure out what it's about. And you'll see that this is a thing for you, or you'll decide it's not for you. I believe it's for all of us. And I get it. We, we hear the excuses. I don't, I don't have time. Right? Like, I'm, I just don't have time. My kids are going this way and that way, and what am I going to do with my kids during group? How are we going to do this? Work. You just don't understand my work. I'm tired. I am tired of this. By Sunday night, it's the only family time. Family time, that's a great excuse, right? Because it feels legit. Yeah, your family needs Jesus <laughs> more than they need more time sitting at the, watching TV, eating on a TV tray. 
We get these excuses, well, you know, my just schedule's too busy. If your schedule is too busy to get with a group of people helping you follow Jesus, your schedule's too busy. There's a simplicity to the life of Jesus. A pace. You've won life. What are you gonna do with it? I have my people. I already have my people. I don't need that group. You know, one of the reasons we do it relationally is because 46% of people in America say that they are lonely on a regular basis. 47 feel left out most of the time. Half of Americans say they don't have one meaningful conversation on a daily basis. Loneliness has the same effect on our bodies as 15 cigarettes a day. Leads to heart disease. Leads to, to depression. It leads to anxiety. It leads to all kinds of things. And you say, well, I've got my people. My only question is, are your people helping you follow Jesus? Or are they helping you go the other way? It doesn't have to be life groups here. But if we take seriously our walk with Jesus, we're going to get with a group of people that help us and we help to follow him. So my question, who's helping you grow? Who are you helping grow? Is it time for you to answer Jesus' invitation to come from the crowd and become a disciple? My three favorites. You don't need to do what I think. Nobody does anyway. What's God asking you to do? What's God asking you to do? Do you have the courage to do what he's asking you to do? Here's how I can help. If you have a cell phone on you, pull it out. Everybody who has a cell phone. Can we throw the connect screen back up, the phone number? If you are already in a life group, Message someone other than the leader or in the group chat and tell them thank you for helping you follow Jesus. If you're not in a life group and you would like to be, just text the word disciple to that number and we'll follow up with you. You text disciple to that number and you will hear from somebody on staff who will tell you about the different life group options and suggest the one that might be the best fit for your life and your schedule and your stage and where you're at. There are life groups that meet throughout the week. We're always looking for ways to start more. And so I asked everybody to pull out their phones. That way nobody would be nervous. And as we send the different messages, it'll work out okay because it looks like everybody's texting. See, I'm making it easy. Jesus said, you got to drink my blood. He made it hard. He tried to scare people off. I'm just making an invitation. I love you and I believe in you. And I know God wants more for us. This is the heartbeat of what he asked us to be. Everything else flows as we really make these decisions and these commitments and we take this, this journey together. We're never going to be who we were created to be all alone. Nobody succeeds alone. It's together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for each of the texts of gratitude that went out, the texts of courage. We thank you for, the, for the, the disciples in this place. We thank you for the crowd. We thank you for each one who is a part of this. Each one whose life is being shaped by God in this place. 
I pray for those who aren't ready to make that decision. Pray for those who are, who are still feeling their way in, God. May they know they have the time to, to figure this out and to follow you at the pace that you're inviting them. May they feel no pressure from me, but only invitation from you. And would you give them the courage to do whatever small thing you're asking them to do next? For those who are, who are feeling that pull, that desire for more, that desire for deeper, that desire to grow, would you, would you begin to lean on them? <laughs> And where they hear your voice so clearly saying, this is for you, that they can't help but act on it. Would you give them the courage to take whatever little step you're asking them to take? Texting a word, speaking to someone, asking for help. For those who are curious about you and about this life, would they find in this place a truthfulness? and honesty, and authenticity. May they find you and you alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's an honor to worship with you this morning. Enjoy a homemade cookie on your way out. Enjoy this beautiful North Carolina fall day, and we can't wait to see you next week. Enjoy.